Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, we're back for another reaction show to the weekend's action, and it was a mixed bag of tricks, especially for UK fans, as we've seen Calify take what was a step too far by Chocolatito Gonzalez becoming the WBA Super Flyweight Champion, and then we had Mikey Garcia beating Jesse Vargas in Mikey Garcia's return to the welterweight division, and then also we had Jay Harris putting in... Uh, an absolute brave performance against Julio Cesar Martinez. And then also Joseph Parker. He's back in the heavyweight division. He looked pretty ferocious. He looked pretty good. But we're going to break all this down in the episode. So, first of all then, Johnston, let's let's react to, to the main one that we covered on the preview show, which was obviously Yafai and Gonzalez. We said this could be a step too far for him, and... It, it, it was. It was a step too far for him on the night. And, and obviously, Gonzalez, he rolled back the ears a little bit in this fight. And I think everybody felt in the aftermath of Yafai losing to Gonzalez is that Gonzalez has still shown, even at 32 years of age, that he's still got something left in the tank. And then it leaves us to think, well, he's beaten Estrada before, Juan Francisco Estrada. Can he do it again? Well, do you know what? I, I, I was really impressed with him. I, I felt that he was going to be a, a step too far for, for for Cal, and it proved to be on the night. But I mean, the one thing I will say is I'm not quite sure what happened with him because he, he fought the perfect fight for Gonzalez. I think he uh, he was too he, was, he just stayed in the pocket. He stayed close to him for too long. He needed to to box more. His corner kept telling him to box more, and I just wonder what what they were doing in their training camp because for me, I wonder if he just froze on the night because he just didn't do any of the things that the corner were telling him to do. And even the commentators alluded to it. He needed to box, he needed to fight range. And standing in the pocket, standing right in front of Gonzalez, he was picking his shots brilliantly. And, as you know, 
Robert Gonzalez is like. We've seen it plenty of times. If you're going to stand in front of him for too long, he's going to he's going to he's going to outwork you. He's going to fight to beat you. He's found the body, found the head. He was it was it was very very good. Um, better than I thought, but I think that was more to do with the fact that Cal Yafai just he didn't do what I expected him to do. I expected him to fight a range a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm pleased for Gonzalez because I do like him. I'm a good I'm a fan of, of Roman, but. On the other note, obviously, Cal Fire, our, long, our longest standard champion, is no longer champion. Um, so it's back to drawing ball for him. Well, Gonzalez was way ahead on the cards. He was 78-73 on one card, 77-74 on the other, and 80-71 on the third card. So he was way ahead when that ninth round stoppage came, the TKO came in the ninth round. And yeah, I think freezing on the big stage was kind of how I felt when I watched the fight and I look back on the fight and I think to myself it was a step too far because he was jumping up a level even though he was the champion as we were talking about in the preview to this even though he's the champion this is the first major test on his resume really at this level and then to go in with a guy like Gonzalez who's picked up victories over guys like Estrada and been in there with Rungavatai twice and he's had some fantastic fights and he's been in some some great nights himself so that experience was always going to be there and it was like you said the per- it was like he fought the perfect fight for Gonzalez. It was like he was there where Gonzalez needed him to be there. And you fight rather yeah. than boxing and using his physical advantages in the fight, it just seemed to be non-existent at all. And it's just such a shame as as a British fight fan. It's such a shame that he wasn't able to step up to the plate on the night and he wasn't able to do that. And I think now it makes me wonder: Would Kalyafai ever become? a champion again in the super flyweight division, do you think he could win another title with the sort of quality that we've got at the top end of the division? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tricky. It's, it's hard to say that he could. I mean, Estrada, I think it's, it's just a step too far. I mean, Rangazai isn't a champion at the minute, but again, that's a fight for him where I think he would struggle with. Um, so for me, I think that it, not really, no. I think I think he needs to go back to the drawing board. I think he needs to look at how he how he fought that night, I just don't think he he fought the perfect fight. I, I, you know, he just it just didn't work for him. I mean, I mean, German Ankaras is another guy in there as well that maybe I was thinking maybe he could, he could potentially try and push for a fight with him. But um, again, he's he's pretty much the same. I mean, all these guys they've all fought each other, they've all beat each other. Uh, Cal Yafai has finally fought one of them and lost. I mean, could he come back and beat these guys? I just think they're probably a step too far. And I think he, I, I do honestly believe he probably did freeze because. The, 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 the instructions from the corner were you need to box. The amount of times they said that to him, you need to box, Cal, you need to box. And it just seemed like things were slipping away. He was getting hurt and hurt even more as the fight wore on. Gonzalez was, in the end, he was just in his, just in his flow. He was he was brilliant. I mean, he, he couldn't he just couldn't stop him. Um, so he needs to adjust his style. I think he, I don't know what he's been doing. What was he doing in his camp? I mean, for me, the only way you can beat someone like Gonzalez is to fight on the outside, especially for someone like Cal, although he yeah. was the bigger guy. But I don't know. I think I, I just wonder if it was the fact that I would, it would be interesting to know what his corners, what his corner actually think, because yeah, I just think he got it all wrong on the night. I think he froze and I think he made mistakes and he, he was just unable to recover from that. And, and he just he, literally, he fell into to Gonzalez's path and, and, and he, he got rid of him. I mean, I wasn't expecting that as well. That was a fantastic finish as well. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's credit him because I really did not think he had the power to stop Cal, but obviously he has. I mean, that was that was a fantastic finish, and uh, wow! I mean, absolutely, referee was absolutely right to stop that fight because he was in 
in real trouble. Well, Gonzalez now, I think the fight we want to see for him is obviously the rematch with Estrada for the WBC and WBA titles on the line in the unification. That's the fight we want to see next. I think that's what Gonzalez is going to go for. That's what he said he wants. So, you know, it's exciting in terms of what else we're going to see in the Super Flyweight division. But for Calify, I honestly don't see a way back to the top without really going at the level where you think to yourself, could he win this fight? We were both wondering, could he win this fight? And we were both obviously quite reserved about how we saw the fight going down and, and I, I wanted Cal to win, don't get me wrong, I wanted him to win and I know as British fight fans we both wanted him to win however, I think we both kind of felt the same, it was difficult, I think if he was gonna beat him he'd have to be on points and he just didn't fight the right fight so both of them now move on in their respective careers, we'll see what happens for them next, so moving on to other fights on the card then Julio Cesar Martinez against Jay Harris for the WBC flyweight title now Got to give big props to Jay Harris here. I know you went out on a limb and said Harris might <laughs> knock him out, and fair enough. You know, he tell you what, he give him some, he give him some good licks on the night. He, he took some good licks, but he certainly gives some out. And I think Martinez is one of them fighters. I think where if you try and outbox him, I think as a big puncher, I said I think you can take away that punching power from a guy like Martinez. Whereas I think Jay Harris just wanted to kind of trade lever with him constantly and. Whilst he was getting hit and he was getting hurt, he was also throwing back and he's shown a lot of brave, courageous moments. And one thing that we've got to remember about this particular fight as well is that in the previous fights for Julio Cesar Martinez, it stopped, I think it was like the last four opponents prior to actually going in there with Jay Harris. Obviously, the, the, you know, the Charlie Edwards fight was a no contest, but if that wouldn't have gone the way it would have gone and he wouldn't have threw that shot after the bell, then he probably would have got the stoppage there as well. Most people felt he was going to stop Charlie Edwards. So that would have been, what, four or five stoppages in as many fights. But for Jay Harris, he went the distance with him. So for him to go the distance, to me, says a lot about where Jay Harris is, to be able to get in there, trade level with a guy like Martinez, who's a dangerous puncher, uh, and go away with all the crowd cheering him. When he went into the ring, the crowd had booed him because obviously they all wanted Martinez to do the business in Texas. But... Jay Harris walks away with a lot more plaudits than Martinez does in my eyes, to be honest, even though he defended his title successfully. And the scorecards were quite wide. I think they could have been a little bit closer personally. However, Jay Harris comes out of that with a hell of a lot more respect. And to me, he's shown me as a fight fan that I could see him on the world stage again. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, with, with Jay, I think I think the problem with him was that he was a little bit fearful, uh, like, like fighters should be. He was a bit fearful in those first couple of rounds, a bit anxious. And I think it was a matter of getting through those first couple of rounds. And when he realised he could take some of them shots, he came right back and he won the next two rounds for me. And then going into sort of the ninth round, I mean, I had it 5-4, Martinez. I mean, I couldn't argue with a 6-3 going into that 10th round. But for me, I had it 5-4. I don't know if I was just being a little bit biased towards um, Jay Harris, but... I just felt that he was at times when he did box and he was sort of switching the angles, I thought he looked really good. Um, and then even when he did get in the inside, I thought he hurt Martinez a couple of times, pushed him back, which is something we haven't seen. And maybe, I mean, we, we mentioned Fury the other the other night in terms of figure five, but I think Jay Harris probably looked at that and thought, I'm going to keep pushing him back. Maybe that's the way of me getting a win. And he was, he was pushing him back, which is great to see. But then obviously they're not down. I think those first two rounds, was a bit fearful, a bit anxious. Realised actually I can take his shots, and then when he did get put down in the tenth, obviously that was a two-point swing, and I think that's why he won the fight. From there, I think he even come back and done well to even win the eleventh for me. I mean, the twelfth round went to Martinez, but 
I thought he was really close. I think if he if he winning if he gets himself super fit, like literally where he can box the way he was boxing at times, and um, and he's a little obviously he's going to be a, a more confident going into the fight, realizing he can take some shots. I think he could cause some problems if he was to get a rematch with Martinez. I don't think he's going to want to go there. I think Martinez probably overlooked him a little bit. So um, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, with Jay, I thought I thought he might nick it on points. I thought I just had a feeling maybe he might just outdo him on points, but. It wasn't to be. I thought he did really well, and I think he's impressed a lot of people. And from that, he's got himself some big fights in the future. Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, I think he's definitely put his um, he's put his name on the map. And you know, like I say, a lot of people walked away saying a lot of good things about him, which is fantastic because that probably will lead into better fights for him, which ultimately means more paydays for him, which is you know essentially what part of the reason why these guys get into the sport is to become champions but also to to make a good living out of it as well so he's definitely created opportunities for himself even though he's come off the back of a loss he's it's not going to do him any harm i think it's risen his stock as a fighter uh, and as a name and people if he goes over to america again people will remember who he is because he put in a valiant effort and a valiant performance against julio cesar martinez so yeah, a great performance. Unlucky for him, it wasn't enough on the night, but a great performance for him. Great performance for Martinez to obviously defend his title now. And you got to think about what, what does Martinez do next? Because that's the interesting question. Obviously, with him being you know, the WPC champion, you look around uh, what else is there for him. And it's funny enough, I was looking on social media in the aftermath of the fight and... Uh, there was a certain there was a certain Sonny Edwards who decided to to throw his name in the hat out there about how he thinks he could go out there and he could go and beat someone like a Julio Cesar Martinez. Uh, different styles, different fights, but he was talking about that on social media, and that was interesting to see that maybe you know in a year's time maybe he could push himself into into a fight with Martinez. Interesting, but you've got to look at the the the, outs, the outset of the division and, and what else is out there at the moment. And the number one in the division is Kosai Tanaka, who's the current WBO champion. So, you know that'd be an interesting fight with Martinez and Tanaka. I think I'd like to see that one. Tanaka obviously mainly competes over in his native country of Japan most of the time. So it'd be interesting to see whether they could actually get him away from Japan uh, and maybe get a big fight for that. So that'd be interesting. But for Jay Harris. If we're being honest with you, if I was if I was Jay Harris's promoter, which is uh, MTK at the moment, you'd be probably putting him back on one of their shows and trying to push for a European title fight and and get something behind him again, and then try and push him back into the world title contention. That would be, in my mind, a good way to do it because I think now he's had a great performance, but do you really then want to throw him straight in with a another another dangerous punch or someone who could? possibly even dent his confidence further by taking a, a second loss back-to-back. For me personally, I'd want to see him in a European title bout, win a European title, and then get back to world title contention and then hopefully get another world title shot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that would be a, a smart move. And, you know, he is 30 now as well. I mean, the one one thing I noticed with, with Jay is the fact that clearly he, he is a natural flyaway, whereas I don't think, well, Andrew Selby clearly wasn't because he shot up two weights and neither was Charlie. So, Obviously, clearly, they, they, they've both mentioned how weight drained they were against Martinez. So, you know, obviously, their their resistance to some shots is going to be really weak compared to Jay, who is a, is a proper flyaway. I mean, he's a natural flyaway. So, he's going to... There are some... I, I think that's perfect. I think I'll absolutely... If, if you was his manager, I'd say, you're bang on, mate. Get Go go the European route. Get get some more confidence again. I mean, it, no doubt he's going to have confidence coming out of the fight. I realise I've just gone 12 rounds with a banger. So... You know, he can prove he can take a shot. 
He just, um, I, I just think he needs to get himself really fit. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't fit. I just think if he's super fit, he's got the boxing ability to just outbox these guys. Some of these guys in the division. I mean, I don't know too much about Tanaka. I know he's a good, uh, a good fighter. That's about it. I mean, I've seen him once, I think. Um, and then obviously the South African fella is another one. He's the champion, isn't he? And, and the Ukrainian, uh, Dela Kane or whatever his name is. Yeah. So there's a couple of guys out there that he could. Uh, I think he just. It'd be better off just going that European or just a couple of uh, you know a couple of rankings down, get himself a bit of confidence, and then next one go for the title again if he can. Um, but he's, he's one in there now. I mean, he's he's 30 years old. He's got I reckon another few years. I think he can he can really push himself into the top echelons of this division. So Joseph Parker back at heavyweight, uh, third win on the bounce since his defeat to Dillian White, and. Again, when we were talking about this on the preview episode, we weren't expecting this to be uh, a hard fight for Joseph Parker against a guy who was 39 years of age who had not really fought anybody, given that Parker was WBO champion previously. So this was a a way to showcase Joseph Parker on the the US scene. And that's how they did it. They they did exactly what I said they were going to do, which was put him in there with somebody who make him look good against. And he got the stoppage in round five, TKO stoppage in round five. He looked good. His hands looked deceptively fast. It looks like he, he could be involved in some more great fights in the heavyweight division. And I think the one fight that interests me the most with Joseph Parker at the moment, given what else is going on in the landscape of boxing, which we'll talk about regarding the heavyweight division a little bit later... The only real fight for me I'd want to see Joseph Parker in would be the fight with Alexander Usyk, who is set to face Derek Chisora on the 23rd of May. So if Usyk comes through Chisora, and it's not even an if really, it's probably when he comes through Chisora, you know, we want to see a good fight for Usyk in the heavyweight division, a fight which legitimises him, and I'm not saying Chisora doesn't legitimise him, people will have their thoughts about Chisora, is he past it, is he washed up, he never became a champion etc, etc, if he was to fight a Joseph Parker and beat a Joseph Parker convincingly, then that's when people will start to really jump on the bandwagon of Usyk at heavyweight, and I know yourself and so many other people have said, he's the guy that could completely clean up the division I, I, I understand why people say that, but he needs to he needs to catch up to all the big boys at the moment. And to do that, he needs to go in there, be a legitimate former world champion. And Joseph Parker's the man. And I think Joseph Parker is tailor-made for an Alexander Usyk. Similar stature, similar similar height, similar build. Probably similar amount of punching power. Interesting fight, but I think it's an Usyk victory if these two meet. But I think this is the fight that then would propel Usyk to, to the top of the mountain where nobody can ignore him when it comes to a world heavyweight title shot. Yeah, and no, I think that's uh, a, a good fight, isn't it? I mean, going, going back to Joseph Park, I thought, as you say, I mean, it was a good win for him. He got he got the stoppage. I thought he looked sometimes he was a little bit heavy on his feet, but I think you know, eight months out of the ring after the, the spider pop, the spider spider bite, sorry, um, obviously um, would have lost a bit of weight and then obviously gained it quickly. I think it was probably a little bit heavy, but you know, he done the business. I would like to see him. In a, in a big fight, like, as you're right, I mean, I think Alexander Usyk would be, I think it's the fight everyone really wants to see. I think many people, when they think of Usyk, they think Parker. So I think it's a fight that could have. I mean, on the other hand, you, you've got Herkovich, you've got uh, Michael Hunter, um, there are other fights out there, region. there's loads of guys that are sort of just underneath those top four. Um, and, you know, Povetkin, these are, these are all fights that, the big, big nights. You, you can stick them on an undercard of any of the, the big nights that are obviously coming up, which we'll touch on in a minute in the summer. But 
Um, a good win for Park, and I just think another, maybe get get another. I mean, even um, Kunaki's another one. There's it's a few fights out there for him. And, but yeah, Usyk is obviously the one I think everyone really wants to see. So the main event then was obviously Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas. And we had our reservations about Garcia going back up to welterweight. And maybe for for us, it was more about seeing him back down at the 135 or the 140 division and seeing what he could do there. But on Saturday night, he, he, he had a good performance. I was actually impressed with his performance. And I think Vargas was a perfect opponent for him because he was a beatable opponent for Mikey Garcia. He wasn't a slouch, he wasn't a walkover. He gives something for Garcia to think about through the rounds, but Garcia, ultimately, his skill and his ability, it was just too much for Jesse Vargas on the night. And obviously, he goes out and gets the unanimous decision, picks up the victory, and already there's talk of the next fight for Mikey Garcia. But overall, I was... I was impressed with his performance, but I still have massive reservations about what he can do in this welterweight division. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the one thing I did really enjoy with the Jesse Vargas fight is the fact that Jesse did start really well, and I thought he won the first couple of rounds, and uh, Mikey was, was taking his time, and then he just adjusted slightly. He just caught, got a little bit of distance and then realised that that left hand was dropped a little bit low, and he was landing in big right hands, which eventually one of them put him down. I thought... It's just one thing you know with Mikey Garcia, he's a very intelligent fighter and the way he sort of works out problems in the ring, it's just clear to see. And it's something that not many not many guys have got, but you know, I still believe I would love to see him sort of down in in the division below, uh, whether it be like against someone like a, a Josh Josh Taylor, for instance. I mean that would be a great fight, wouldn't it, Mikey Garcia yeah, Josh Taylor? Oh, wouldn't it? Um so I just think that would be Perfect. I mean, there's still some massive fights down there. I think he might even be have the ability to clean up because he's he's he's, he's naturally bigger that way. He's his perfect weight. I think he's just too small for the welterweight division. Saying that, I mean, the other guys. I think if he wants to stick around. I mean, he did mention a rematch with Errol Spence. I think that would be pointless. Um, he did vaguely touch on Crawford. You know, obviously they're the two top guys. But I think for me, if he's going to go anywhere, I'd say a Danny Garcia, which I mentioned before. Or, uh, or Manny Pacquiao, who's, uh, you know, he's a guy that he could potentially beat. I think that's probably the one guy that, um, yeah, that, that I would say that that's the one title we could win for, from Manny. But saying that, Manny still just keeps rolling about the years. But in terms of size difference, I think that might be his best option of winning a world title. He wants to win that, I think it's his fifth world title, and that's what he wants to win in the fifth division. I think it's his fifth or is his fourth, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I think I think for me, Manny Pacquiao's going to be He's got a target on his back for Mikey. I think that's, that is probably where he's going to go. Well, that's what Bob Arum's talking about making in the summer is, is Garcia versus Pacquiao. That's what we've been hearing and seeing all across social media. And it's a good fight if it gets pulled off because obviously Manny Pacquiao wasn't always natural welterweight. He's moved up way through the weights. Some say scarily through the weights. Some convinced that it's that it's juicing, that it's peds, it's all sorts. But he has moved up through the weights and he has proved himself as an eight-weight world champion. So what better way for... And Mikey Garcia to solidify himself in the welterweight division by beating a Manny Pacquiao. However, I honestly just couldn't see it happening. And that is my opinion. Even at this early stage, even if the fight does get announced in a month's time, and it is late in the summer, and they say, right, Garcia Pacquiao's happening, 
I'm still going to say Pacquiao wins it, regardless of how old Pacquiao is. Regardless of that, he's in his 40s now. I still see him beating him like Garcia. I just still think he's got more than enough in the locker. For him to go and beat a Keith Thurman the way he did, I think he could beat a Maggie yeah. Garcia. That, that's my honest opinion at this very early stage of, of that potentially happening. But it was good to see him on a good performance and come back off the back of that loss, because that loss to Revel Spence for me was quite demoralising. He must have felt completely demoralised after getting you know, humbled, really, and humiliated a little bit, get to, getting taught a boxing lesson in that particular fight. For him to come back and, and get a good performance like that and get the victory over Jesse Vargas was, was really good. So it was a good fight night, a good card. It was pretty stacked. Obviously, we there was prospects on the undercard as well. If anybody stayed up to, to watch him in the UK or if you was watching him in the USA, you'll have seen Diego Pacheo pick up another victory, Alex, Alexis Espino, uh, Leo Ruiz Avocado picked up the victory and Jesse Rodriguez and then the Israeli... Ma- Mad Rimov, I can never get these guys' names right, but I, I give it a good bloody go. So all these guys got the victories on that particular card. Guys whose names you should be looking out for over the next 12 months. So decent card. But the talk at the moment is still around the heavyweight division and it's still around two particular names. Well, three particular names. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. They're the three names that have been spoke about yet again on social media this week. So... We've seen that Deontay Wilder has exercised his right to that rematch that we were speaking about in the aftermath of him losing to Tyson Fury so emphatically. And a third fight is to be announced for July this year, which I don't see the point of. We've already spoke about this, touched on this last week's episode. We don't see the point of why this third fight should be happening, but it's contractually there and he's obliged to take the fight, Fury, so... If that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. Then we'll get to see Tyson Fury possibly smash Deontay Wilder once more. Deontay Wilder has decided to keep his trainer, even though immediately in the aftermath there was talk of him dropping Mark Breland. He's decided to obviously keep him as part of the team. I think he's realised that even though you know he didn't want to, he didn't want to go out the way he, he went out, which was the tower going in. He wanted to go out in his in his shield. Mark Breland made the right decision for him and. That ultimately is what a trainer is there for in the corner. And although he wasn't the head coach and he he overruled Jay Diaz, I think he made the right decision for Deontay Wilder's health and he he let him fight for another day, basically. He let him fight for this third rematch, for this third fight in this rematch. So to me, he made the right decision. And I think Wilder, initially what he said was obviously out of the fact that he was very emotional. But his video that he put out on social media about how he's going to become the king again and this is just the beginning of the war, and I was thinking to myself, is he still a little bit punch drunk from that, or what? <laughs> I think he's, I think he's really delusional. To be quite honest with you, I think uh, I can't help but feel that the, the team around him are trying to cash in on him there. Um, that's just my initial thoughts. His excuses were absolutely ridiculous. The first, when I first heard that the excuses were to do with the the suit he wore into the ring, I thought it was a load of old bollocks. And then when I looked. Further into it, apparently that is what he said. It's, it's just crazy to say that that is an excuse for me. Uh, it's just poor. Not only does it show Wilder, I mean, first of all, we all said, uh, you know, valiant display from Wilder, stayed on his feet, fought all the way through. You know, you can't knock him for that, got guts, blah, blah, blah. And then you hear that, you sort of think, ah, oh, God's sake, now, now this is why I realise I don't like the fella, to be honest with you, because I just think he's an absolute wally. For the life of me, I can't think what he's, what he's on. Um, and as you say, maybe he's just still feeling the, fit, the effects from them shots. But, yeah, I, I think that if, if he had a decent team around him, they'd be saying, do you know what, 
let's take the step aside money because that's what they could take. They could take a nice, nice bit of money to walk away, have a little fight with someone else, you know, get your confidence back. Let Anthony Joshua, or, you know, Joshua's now obviously come out. He's fighting Pulev. Fine, it sort of makes sense for them to have the third fight. But I still think someone like Tyson Fury said he only he's only got two or three fights sort of last year, didn't he? He said he wanted three more fights. We've well, had one already. I mean, obviously that's in the back of his mind. Then why not just just give Billion White his shot at the WBC title and and, and hopefully let let Wilder take the step aside? I mean, there's still an opportunity that could happen. Um, I mean, even Frank Warren said that is to be. They've not exact. They've looked at it and they've obviously you know they've they've they've, they've said they want. They've requested it. So um, yeah. I've, I still think if they sit down, just give him some money and get get Dillian White a chance. If he goes and beats Dillian White, and then you have got Joshua at the end of the year, Tyson Fury can literally hang up his gloves and walk over to the sunshine, can't he? He can enjoy the rest of his life. But um, I don't know. I just I think he's pointless. I really do. I just think that the team around him are cashing in on Wilder, and I think he's a bit delusional. So you just said about Anthony Joshua Kubat Pulev being announced. It's been announced today on Monday as we record the episode. It's been confirmed that it's going to happen at Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium in the UK. So we're getting the, the IBF title on the line. Kubat Pulev has been the IBF contender for a little while now. And this fight was supposed to happen back end of 2018. Obviously Pulev pulled out with an injury. So instead Carlos Takam stepped in. And we had that fight instead, but now we're getting Pulev back in, and and I'm I'm quite I'm quite interested at the concept of it because Pulev is a banger, is a is is a hard bastard. I know, obviously, Klitschko, Vladimir, dispatched of him a few years ago, but that was a pretty good fight while that lasted, and I think he'd give Joshua something to think about for a few rounds. Certainly, do I see Joshua ultimately beating him? Initially, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, as long as he doesn't go in there <laughs> the way he went into the first Andy Ruiz <laughs> fight, I'm certain. I'm certain that he can go in there and do the business against Kubrat Pulev. But it's good that in the interim, well, Tyson Fury has to fight Deontay Wilder for a third time. They're doing the mandatory defence of the IBF title against Kubrat Pulev. So two big fights for the summer. Hopefully, we'll get. Obviously, the one in June with Pulev and Joshua, and then the one in July with Wilder Fury, and then hopefully they'll both come through it, and then hopefully by December time, we'll get the mega fight, and that's what everybody wants to see, and I know we've banged on about it a lot, but it is, everybody wants to see it, it's simple as that. So, that's the big fights that we want to see, and they're the big announcements for this week, but another big announcement this week, it's not been fully fully confirmed as far as I'm aware, but there's so many people that are involved in the sport, in the journalistic side of the business, are talking about that Canelo's May the 2nd opponent is definitely going to be Billy Joe Saunders. And this is a fight that I think I've wanted to see for a long time. It was also supposed to be Callum Smith only a week ago, but now apparently Billy Joe Saunders is the man that he's going to face on May the 2nd. And... What a fight it is for Billy Joe Saunders. This this is his legacy-defining fight. You know how much I love that that phrase of legacy-defining because Billy Joe Saunders, although he's a two-weight world champion and although he's created his little bit of slice of history, to go in there against a guy like Canelo, who, who I voted as the best boxer of the last decade myself, if he goes and beats Canelo, surely then he cements his bloody legacy in boxing after all the shit he's had over the past couple of years in and out of the ring. Oh, absolutely, it would. And, uh, God, I mean, it's, it's a great night for Billy, and this is what he needs. This is what he strives on. These big fights, you see what he what he, what he he comes to the plate with when he has these big fights. He can box, and he can he could cause anyone trouble. Whether he can do that against Canelo, obviously, remains to be seen. Obviously, 
Billy has never been stopped. He's never really looked like he's going to get stopped either. Uh, and he's smart enough, clever enough. It, it has got the makings of a really good fight and a, a fight that I believe that he could potentially win. Um, I think they've they've stayed away from him, to be fair. There were opportunities to fight him at middle and uh, I don't think they quite fancied it because he was because of what he'd done against uh, David Lemieux, for instance. I think he can make you look really bad. And I, you could actually see, I mean, you look at what Mayweather, he, he got the better of Canelo. Billy Joe's got the ability to do the same thing. He really has. So it's going to be really interesting. And I hope hope that is that, that is what's happening. I know uh, some people are sort of a little bit, if, is it going to be Billy or not? And then obviously, obviously it, it, it seems to be like it's going to be Billy Joe's orders. And I really hope it is. And I just think, yeah, it's just a math all-wing fight. Another good fight this year. So as part of that announcement, DAZN uh, have decided that they're going to do their global launch finally as well. So that's been announced today. So they're moving into 200 plus territories, including finally the UK. So they're finally mm-hmm. coming to the UK. We're getting the streaming service over here. And it's supposed to start with Canelo's fight on May the 2nd. Initially, the focus, of course, will be on boxing, but they'll be moving into other sports. And if you're a UK fan, essentially what you're going to get is Matchroom USA cards, Golden Boy cards, and Triple G promotion cards. So that's quite interesting. And the price is also quite interesting as well because the price that's been rumoured is either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. So pretty good price, really, if you are getting a card nearly every other week. But the one card that you wouldn't get is the Anthony Joshua card, and for UK fans, you wouldn't get the Matchroom UK shows. You'd still have to have a Sky Sports subscription to be able to watch them. But to be honest with you, at the moment, Sky Sports Matchroom UK cards are pretty horse shit, to be honest. There's, there's not been really many good ones. I mean, we've got Quig versus Carroll coming up this coming weekend. But the undercard's not massively stacked. It's not a top-to-bottom great card. Quig versus Carroll, decent fight. But... We're not really getting the quality over here, and we have complained about that a few times. So, is it really a loss? I'd, would you pay four ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month to get the level of of quality of the cards that seemingly seem to be going on over in America? And obviously, as American fans and American listeners to the podcast, you probably benefit from this more when you pay your subscription service and you're getting a fight night every other week, and you're getting some come some high quality fights. So, I think you guys are, are benefiting from that, but it's about time we started to benefit a little bit from it because the amount of different services we've tried to have over the years with Box Nation, Santanta Sports, even years before that, and now obviously Sky Sports is the only one really leading the way at the moment, but you've got to have a certain subscription to do that. And then if you want to watch the big major fights, you've got to pay a certain amount of money to do so. So initial thoughts on that announcement then, Johnson. What do you think about DAZN obviously coming to the UK and, and the potential price of it? Well, I think I think you can't really argue the price. I mean, I'm hoping it's the four ninety nine <laughs> to see. <laughs> obviously, uh, five or a month or whatever it is that sounds quite reasonable. I mean, even a tenner is to be fair, considering the fights that you do get in terms. Of, you get obviously Golovkin, you get Canelo, you get some of the big big fights. Obviously, not the ones that are going to be on Sky, which is a shame. But um, I mean, as you say, there haven't been great to be fair. What what Sky have produced recently? I mean, we have got Quig and Carroll. We've got. Uh, Ritson's coming up soon, isn't he? And Josh Kelly's coming up with his fight. And there's a couple of decent fights in the horizon, but um, 
yeah, it's tempting. I, will, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. My, my Sky package is running out, and I'm and it's within a couple of weeks, and and I'm glad to see the back of it. To be honest with you, so um, I, I will probably look at the Design UK and, and probably pay for it myself because it sounds quite reasonable. Considering if you get those fights, then I'm all over it. So. Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, I'm glad that it's come over it finally. I, I was waiting for it to happen sort of last year. It didn't happen, and now this year they're saying it's going. That's great. I mean, I can't lock the price, so I think I'll probably be one that will be joining up and signing up when it when it is finally released. So that's about it, to be honest with you, for our reaction show to the weekend's action. I just wanted to use the final couple of minutes of the episode really just to give a big shout out to all the guys that have been on and. They've heard my calls on social media, so I've put a few posts out about asking people to do some reviews for us on BTR Boxing Podcast's Apple Podcast page, and lo and behold, we've had a few people go and do that, which is fantastic. We've had a couple of reviews come in, we've had more ratings come in, which is also just as important as the reviews, so more people are going to get to see this podcast now and, and see what we're all about and hear what we're delivering on a weekly basis with obviously the main podcast feed plus all the other shows that we run as well so for everybody that's been on and, and listened to, to what we've had to say and, and obviously seen what we've had to put out on social media and you've took the time out to go and rate us and review us thank you so much because it's really genuinely appreciated and it really really helps us and obviously you see me post out about the fact that we got to the UK sports number one again just a week or so ago and we want to continue to to be there we're in the top 10 constantly we're always sat in the top 10 which is amazing but to, to stay at number one you've got to be really getting people constantly really reviewing you and constantly putting ratings up there and obviously the downloads have to come with it of course but for us to be up in that top 10 is amazing and I always I always bang on about the fact that you know we don't have any backing at all there's no financial backing no researchers no editors it's myself and you Johnson that that run the podcast that do our bits in the background alongside our, our day jobs to kind of keep things moving for, for people that enjoy listening to it so everybody that's left comments or feedback this week Thank you so very much. And if you've also left feedback on the Legendary Nights series or the Career Profiles podcast or the Ones to Watch podcast, again, your support is greatly, greatly appreciated because it really inspires us to continue doing what we're doing around our normal daily lives. And if you know anybody out there that owns a company or know somebody that is interested in boxing that would love to get some sort of exposure through a podcast like this, then get them to get in contact with us. Drop us a DM on social media, at BTR Boxing Podcast, because you know what? We could really do with a sponsor. We could really do with someone covering our hosting fees for the next 12 months to allow us to, to push forward with what we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, it'd be really appreciated if someone out there could get in touch and uh, just give us a little bit of help, really. And I feel like I'm getting my little begging pot now, now and uh, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm reciting a bit of Oliver here, getting my begging bowl out, <laughs> asking people to, uh, to give us some bloody money. But, honestly, when you do, when people help us, when they get that sort of support don't have to worry about the monthly fees then and then what we can do is it gives us time then to put more time into putting more episodes out and different content out and working around our day jobs to be able to deliver it so everybody that supported the podcast uh, you've been amazing thank you so much and i'm going to stop rambling now and i'm going to say to you is right we're going to be back a little bit later on in the week because we've got quig and carol and obviously we want to give some thoughts on what's going to happen in that particular fight and we've also got the career profile of sugar ray robinson coming out on the career profiles podcast later on this week and then 
the next, the next legendary night that's coming out in probably about a week and a half's time is the Rumble in the Jungle. It's Muhammad Ali mm. and George Foreman. Really looking forward to getting that one out for you guys. So if you've enjoyed listening to this Big Fight reaction, please, as always, let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Please, as always, rate, review and subscribe. Truly helps. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll see you next time. A dream is made real. Ricky Hart rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.